Alright, welcome back guys and girls, fiends and friends. This is another review podcast just for all of you, you faithful listeners, you. Uh, so, tonight, had the pleasure of going to see Dr. Sleep. Uh, opened yesterday, so uh, yeah, definitely right on time. Thought I'd get my, my review podcast in while I was uh, still fresh on it, while I was still sitting in the top of my mind. Worst thing I could do is uh, gestate for a few days. That's what pretty much ruined my Zombieland review because, well, quite frankly, it just was not fresh in my mind. When I tried to record, I lost about two and a half hours worth of uh, alpha quality on that. So uh, today, we're uh, we're gonna run with it. So uh, no uh, no intro, no craziness. We're gonna go straight into this. And in typical review below fashion, I'm going to do this the way I normally do. Uh, a little bit of insight on the movie. I'm going to give you what I like. I'm going to give you what I don't. I'm going to run down the overall thoughts on the movie, and then I'll give you a rating. Uh, as always, of note, something new in theaters. Uh, I'm going to avoid spoilers. I'm going to try not to give anything away. And there are some spoilers in this I could give away, so uh, I'm going to tiptoe my best around those. Uh, if you feel like you've been spoiled by this movie by any chance by my podcast, please, please, please let me know, and I apologize wholeheartedly up front. Um, I'm going to avoid as much as I can. Uh, I'll go back through, double-check my review, and make sure that I haven't done anything that I would consider spoil- spoiler-worthy. Uh, and with that, let's, uh, let's get cracking. So, for those of you who are not necessarily in the know, uh, Dr. Sleep is a direct sequel to The Shining. Both uh, in novel form, a direct uh, sequel to the Stephen King 1977 novel The Shining, and also in this motion picture, uh, it is a sequel to it and to the 1980 adaptation uh, by Stanley Kubrick, widely regarded as one of the greatest horror films of all time, even though, you know, Stephen King absolutely hates it. It is what it is. Um... I'll get into my thoughts on it, kind of what I think of it going forward, uh, how well it handles being an adaptation, uh, where the pros and cons were thereof, uh, but as it's sitting right now, uh, day in, right now on Rotten Tomatoes, we're sitting at 73% uh, credit count, we're sitting at 92% audience score, uh, we are sitting at a 76 uh, out of 10 on IMDb with uh, a little over 9,200 votes counted there. So, I mean, uh, at the moment, critically and uh, audience-wide, this is doing pretty well. Um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty solid film. So, uh, just, to, just to set you up where we're at, uh, the, there's two non-spoiler returning characters from the original film. Uh, obviously the first one being Danny Torrance, uh, he, he's played in this by Ewan McGregor, 
good old Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. Hello there. Uh, uh, in this one, he most definitely does not have the high ground, though. So, he's having to do things very differently. Uh, this is uh, the first half of this movie deals very well with trauma. So, we'll get into that. But also, uh, we do have a periodic couple of uh, returns from... Uh, from Doc Halloran. I'm sorry, Dick Halloran. I, my, my brain just kicked that out there. Um, Dick Halloran, uh, originally played by Scatman Carruthers in the original, uh, who is no longer with us. And in this, being that he was, spoiler, killed in the original film, he is in ghost or apparition form, depending on how you look at it. Um, but we also have the villainous True Knot, a uh, collection of people who eat the shining or steam from persons like Danny Torrance uh, with the abilities. Uh, they use this to attain some version of immor immortality. Uh, they're led by Rose the Hat, who's played by Rebecca Ferguson, who's fantastic. Uh, there's also uh, Crow Daddy and Snakebite Andy, uh, Barry the Chunk. Grandpa Flick, who is fantastic. Um, there's a lot of really good things here. Now, there are some differences fundamentally between this and the book. If you haven't read the book, no real word to you. But, you know, uh, if you have, uh, this is a significantly smaller True Knot. They've taken it from being a large, large party to, uh, off the top of my head, I think it was seven people. Uh, it may have been a little higher than that, but... Uh, you know, that's just kind of where we're at with it. There was, uh, actually, let me double check my math here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten. Looks like ten. Okay. Yeah, my bad. Looks like ten members of the True Knot in this film. That would make sense. Um, so... Uh, basically, I've set up the premise. Uh, let's go into what I liked. And damn, there's a lot of it. First and foremost, we've got Ewan McGregor. The guy's amazing. He he manages to play and chew up this role in a way that it feels legitimate. you got to think this kid went through a hellacious trauma as a child, uh, imbued with powers, having had the most easily one of the most dramatic childhoods of any Stephen King character um, you know how would this person come up and you know without giving away spoilers to the most of the movie he, he does become an alcoholic just like his father uh, he does have an arc where he deals with the, the, the ghosts of the past in several ways and that does follow him and it is bad and all those things and then he finds his redemption and poof and uh he meets that at the hands of uh, Billy Freeman, who and this is played by Cliff Curtis, who you will know from literally every movie ever made. If you have a chance to search this guy on Google, uh, he, he literally, he's a chameleon character actor. Uh, he's a poor man's Gary Oldman to me, which is not an insult by any means. Uh, he blends right in. He can play any role, and he's always a great supporting character. And um, this, he's fantastic. He, he plays the the moral balance to what Danny goes through. So 
he's a guy who's been there, maybe not to that extent, but you, you definitely feel uh, a kind of guidance out of him, and it's fantastic. He does become uh, Danny's friend. Uh, we also have uh, the young girl, Abra, who is uh, quite possibly the most powerful uh, shiner there is, and uh, the story becomes basically she is discovered by the true knot who eat the shine and they're coming to get her and Danny's trying to save her so you know without giving too many details there all of those performances are fantastic but to me uh, the money in this movie is absolutely on Rose the Hat she is somehow both menacing and terrifying and scary but also she comes off as justifiable. You understand why somebody who would have these powers that she has would maybe do some of the things that she does to an extent, uh, at least through the first half of the movie. Uh, you kind of get the sense that these people have been doing this for a long time, and they, 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 they this is the way their 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 group has worked, and it's it's just been that way. You know, they they feel they're superior. And they try to obtain immortality at the cost of others. <sighs> Realistically, that all goes off the rails about halfway through the movie when uh, the inciting incident happens, uh, without spoilers. Um, they become hardcore villains, and these people are fucking ruthless. They are pretty fucking demented. Uh, it's a big thing. So, um, the story, the pacing... Those are fantastic here. I cannot give you enough on that. These, this, the, the movie sets a tone at the beginning. It follows through. You never feel, you never feel like it's wasting your time. Even though it, it budges on the, uh, on the slightly longer side, right at about two hours, maybe a hair over. I wasn't watching my clock by any means, but it doesn't feel long. It didn't. I didn't get impatient. I never felt like there was. Okay, you could cut that out. So the pacing is fantastic. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I absolutely love the first, if you set it up as acts, two-thirds, but it's more like the first three-quarters um, for what it does well. There's some very light fan service. Um, you know, if you saw the Shining movie, that's there. If you read the book, you'll, you'll recognize those things. And it does a decent job at maintaining an adaptation uh, through that first two-thirds. Um, it's not perfect. Obviously, it's it's a careful balance in uh, crafting a, a good adaptation. And when you have to do it to scale, when you have to cut it from what could have been a four-hour movie if they'd faithfully adapted it to, you know, two hours runtime, capable of being digested in a single sitting, you lose some of that. That happens. Didn't feel like we were missing anything, though. Yes, I've read the book. Yes, I've read both books. Yes, I've seen The Shining. Uh, so, you know, uh, I really, really, really love Mike Flanagan. The guy can do no wrong. He is a fantastic director. He is a fantastic editor. He puts story together well. Um, in his brain, the way he does things are uh, truly fascinating. And he's got a... I would say a kinship with Stephen King in the way that he directs his works, the way that he handles those, based on two, and they've both been two, I'll consider slam dunks. 
Fitzgerald's Game and Dr. Sleep, two books that were, I think, were, I would say they would be considered hard to adapt successfully. I won't say faithfully, but I'll say successfully, and I think he did well with both. Um, when this was announced, I ain't gonna lie, I was pretty damn excited, especially when the casting started coming out. Um, you know, everybody that was attached, I liked, uh, but I really thought, you know, being a sequel to Stephen King's book and having Stephen King's blessing meant that they would have to forego any connection to the first movie. Honestly, that's just, that's the reality that hit me in the brain. There's no way Stephen King's gonna sign off on you making this sequel and have it tie into Kubrick's film. And then that first trailer hit. And you see the, you see the Here's Johnny door. You see Red Room. You see the hotel. Which, uh, spoiler, nah, I guess it's not a spoiler. The books have been out for way long time. Uh, in the original book, um, Jack Torrance redeems himself at the end, sacrificing himself and blowing up the hotel in order to save Wendy and Danny and let them flee with Dick Halloran instead of killing him. And in the way it goes, you know, that the second I saw that in the trailer, I knew uh, this was going to be something interesting. Um, with the cast and the, with a different cast and a different director, it could have been bad. It could have been heavy handed. It could have been overdone. It could have been too much reliance. And I will go into my thoughts on that part in somewhere in between what I like and what I didn't. But as a whole, uh, Flanagan hit a home run here. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The guy does no wrong for me. So um, between this and Gerald's Game, The Haunting of Hill House, Oculus, which was fucking fantastic, Hush, which was fucking fantastic, this guy knows what the hell's going on. And, uh, yeah, he can take my money. Back the fucking truck up. I'll 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 watch anything he does. Um, another thing of note, and what I liked going through all these performances, um, they're all fantastic. They're all really really good, but a couple of them are subtle and quick. And without giving away spoilers, there are some cameos. Uh, they did the smart thing here, and they cast similarity to these roles um, they did their best um, not too much of a spoiler I can tell you that uh, you know obviously we're gonna see young Danny Torrance the child playing him seems very very close uh, facially uh, presently he, he has the same demeanor the same tone it felt like him uh, and that was great also you do see Wendy in this movie. Spoiler, you know, young Danny got away with his mother, so they recast her. They didn't do any of the de-aging shit. They didn't do any of the CGI face. They uh, they did it right. They they got a, a fantastic actress to play her uh, to make that work. Um, you know, that was just well done and vastly, vastly, vastly better than what I was expecting. Sorry, guys, I'm trying to pull up her name here while I'm doing this. Uh, don't mind me. Just keep doing about yourself here. Uh, all right, Alex Esso. Okay. Yeah, she was great. She did exactly 
what I would have imagined. And the guy that played Dick Halloran in this is Carl Lumbly. Uh, guys, I had this open, but I didn't quite get there. So, um, where else do I go? Well, let's just go ahead and trim this down to what I liked. Uh, is As a whole, all the casting and the first two thirds were fantastic. What didn't I like? Well, if the first two thirds are in what I like, we have to kind of go with the third act for... It's not fair to say what I didn't like, because I enjoyed the end of the movie, but it feels disjointed. It feels like it's a different movie, partially because it is. This is uh, where they took fan service a step in the wrong direction to me. Not in a bad way. Uh, this is... Very much uh, you were beholden to a different master. Um, you kind of had to have it. so, But it shifts the tone. It really does. And not necessarily in a bad way, but it is a noticeable difference in where the movie goes uh, at that point. Uh, and it's honestly, it's where we go back to the hotel. Um, there's a lot of stuff done in that last bit that aren't particularly bad, but they felt like fan service and pandering for the sake of pandering. Uh, you know, it gave us fan service for no reason other than to be fan service. It chewed that up, and that's kind of what we got. It was uh, it was definitely a thing where we we could have. I don't know what they could have done better. I'm I'm not complaining, but it just it it does. It does separate the movie into two narratives. And uh, I don't want to let anybody feel like this makes it a bad movie. It's just the part of the movie where I shift from being completely head over heels happy to, okay, that's where we're at. Uh, does not make it a bad ending, does not make it a bad movie. But it is a it is a big tonal shift. Uh, another thing I didn't like, without going into the spoilers, there's a cameo that comes at the end. And while I mentioned the cameos at the beginning being fantastic and uh, the people they've cast going in that were great, um, the cameos in the last part of this uh, are all ghosts, but they're done for a feel, I won't say for shock value, um, they're, they're kind of necessary in there, but there's entirely too many of them, uh, they're overplayed a hair. You could have cut it from as many as you did to about half. Just ones that would have that notoriety, that facial value. Um, the ones that fans immediately go, oh my god, holy shit, wow, that would have been awesome. We overdid that. Um, one in particular. It was a truly a great point of the movie. Uh, it should be long in the things that I liked moment. The problem is the person they cast in the role, who is a fantastic actor. I love the guy. He is great in everything. He was great in Haunting of Hill House. He's awesome. Uh, you know, he's he's never done anything wrong, and that's not to say he did anything wrong here. Uh, but he's it's it's not he doesn't fit the role he fits the look but he doesn't fit the role and it, it does take me out 
because as soon as I saw it, I immediately went, no, no, they didn't. And they didn't. The scene itself is, is pretty solid, but yeah. Um, we had to change the ending of the movie to fit with the narrative of bridging the two worlds, and I understand that. So I think the thing that I don't like, um, as much as I love the original Shining, is that the end of the movie had to be tooled around being a sequel to that as well as being a direct adaptation of the book. So it did have to fit that. Um, no problem with it. Just it's it's a thing that's there. Let's go into overall thoughts, guys. So you know I, I've kind of mentioned that you know that the it feels a little disjointed. Here's the reality. This. And I was thinking this about halfway into the movie. I said to myself, this is a movie that is serving two masters. Uh, it is serving the Stephen King master, where it's a it's an adaptation of his book, A Man Who Hated the Movie. Um, it, it's, it's a sequel to his book. In order for it to have his permission to be made, it has to be faithful. That's obvious. That's just the reality of the thing. He's going to have to sign off on this. But I also realize that if you put out the movie Doctor Sleep and you don't give the audience anything to let them know it's a direct sequel to The Shining, or if you make it a direct sequel to the book The Shining and don't give us any fan service towards the original movie, you're going to lose that audience. They're not going to come out to see it. You have to give us part of that. So I said, you know, it's going to be a slave to two masters. It's reality the way they do it. By the end of the movie, I, I've got to tell you, I don't think it really is. I think it's a slave to one master. Um, I, I, that's a bad way of putting it. it. It's, it's serving the purpose of righting some wrongs while acknowledging those wrongs were there. So, it does a great job of faithfully adapting the original. Um, it does a fantastic job of bridging the sequel gap to the Kubrick classic. But it also does a way of roundabout reframing and fixing a couple of the issues with the original in some service to give us a climax warranted um, for a King book. You know, I'm sure King said, hey, you know, this is, this is what you're going to have to do to make this happen. And they did it. And it was great. Um, it, I hate saying it could be better because I feel like anything could be better but Mike Flanagan is a proven commodity and I will, like I said the guy puts out a movie I'm going to watch it the guy drives a TV show, I'm going to watch it so it's not meant to be a shot at him it's just an issue of you know, you can't make a sequel to one and not the other and vice versa so we wound up with a good movie, a great movie that could have been a fantastic movie. It falls just a hair short. Should you go see this movie? Absolutely. If you enjoyed the original, go see this movie. If you didn't enjoy the original, go see this movie. It is a great horror story. Um, it's not scary. I guess at moments it could be depending on who you are. Uh, I never felt overwhelmed or scared or you know, any of those things, but it's fair to say that it is a good horror movie. 
uh, in a year of King adaptations. There have been four this year, ranging from not great, which was the Pet Cemetery remake, to good, but not great, and it. Um, Under the Tall Grass, I still haven't got to see. Uh, I will be getting my Netflix subscription back at the end of the month, so I just haven't quite got there yet. Disney Plus is coming up, so. But this is truly the standout. Um, you know, if I'm giving it five coffins, you know, if I'm doing it on a scale of five coffins, I give it four and a half. Uh, it could have hit five. It didn't quite. Just, just, it, it has a tone shift. And I've seen this in a lot of reviews, too. I watched a ton of reviews before these, and they all kind of said the same thing. It kind of, that third act takes it out of great into just better than good. Um, not a shot, man. It's a tremendous effort, and I, I, I truly like the movie. Um, is it the best horror film of the year for me? I think I'm still leaning toward us being the best horror film of the movie I've, year I've seen. Um, but I, I would probably put it in my top three right now. Uh, I'm going to hold that position because there's a couple other things coming out by the end of the year, but uh, damn sure on the list for me. We'll see where we go. Um, Mike Flanagan is going to do some great work. And if King and him can develop the kind of relationship that King uh, also has with uh, with the Shawshank director, whose name is absolutely Frank Darabont. If he can develop the same kind of relationship he developed with Frank Darabont, uh, who gave us Shawshank, Green Mile, um, a number of King adaptations, uh, The Mist, I think that's the kind of relationship that a, a filmmaker and a horror writer can, can breed into a very lucrative, a very lucrative relationship. Great for, for, for fans of both, great for genre fans, and a great way to keep our, our, you know, a genre that we keep screaming for originality. Well, there's not a ton of originality we can come up with anymore as a whole that will sell. But what will sell is adaptation. Adaptation works because Stephen King has a built-in fan base. There are, you know, millions of people who've read his books and like them. And if the adaptations are done well, you're creating more market value in his books, and his books are creating more market value in you as a filmmaker. So as a whole, you know, this is where we're going, and I, I think that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to the future of it. Um, don't go into this expecting it to be a a direct 100% adaptation of the first book or of the uh, of the book it, it's very faithful but it does have to make some changes don't go into this expecting to be oh man the shining 2 it's not the shining 2 even though it's a sequel and it, it's a continuation it is not a it is not the shining 2 this is a completely different story a completely different premise it builds a world in a way that sets us up for something much bigger. Um, I don't know that I would expect a sequel. I don't know what the numbers are tracking for on this. Uh, I'll know more next week. But I'm hoping this is hugely successful. 
it deserves to be, and it really deserves uh, a massive amount of acclaim. So at some point, you know, I think we're going to get to where uh, this is going to be a great, a great relationship between people, and it's going to make a lot of money, and it's going to produce some great films. I look forward to that. Um, you know, the more the better at this point for me. So um, my thoughts are, yeah, go see it. I give it four and a half out of five. It's it's easily second best horror movie I've seen all year. And if it were not for us, this would be the best horror film I've seen all year. Us was just us was just fantastic. Like us was tippy top. It is the tits. Um So yeah, I mean that's my thoughts on it. Guys, switching gears here, going back out of review mode. Uh, just to uh, touch base on you, a few things I've got coming up. Uh, in two weeks, we will be doing the uh, Thanksgiving podcast based on families of horror. What does that mean for you? Well, that means everything from Texas Chainsaw Massacre to the Hills Have Eyes and in between. Uh, I'm going to cover as much family-based horror, both in the sense of uh, victim and in the sense of perpetrator. I love my cannibalistic backwoods hillbilly family murder, and I think that's going to be good for everybody. So, <laughs> suit in, tighten up. It's going to be great. But for now, guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, hit the like, share, repeat, whatever button, whatever platform you're watching it on. Surely there's some way that you can give me a positive amount of feedback if you enjoyed this. If you didn't enjoy it, sorry to hear that, guys. That's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. But uh, as always, I'm here. You can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Killing the Buzz, with three Zs. I'm on Twitter, Killing underscore Buzz, with two Zs. And you can always email me at killingthebuzz.jf at gmail.com. Guys, I look forward to it. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Roger, roger. occurred to you what would happen to my future if I were to fail to live up to my responsibilities? Has it ever occurred to you? Has it? Stay away from me. Why? I just want to go back to my room. Why? I'm very confused. I just need a chance to think things over. You've had your whole fucking life to think things over. What good's a few minutes more gonna do you now? Stay away from me. Please! Don't hurt me. I'm not gonna hurt you. Stay away from me! Wendy? Stay away! Darling, light of my life. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. Stay away from me! Don't hurt me! I'm not gonna hurt you. Stay away from me! Stay away! Please! Stop swinging the bat. Stay away from me! Put the bat down, Wendy. Stop it! Wendy, give me the bat. Please! Stay away! Give me the bat. Stop it! Give me the bat. Stop it.
stop swinging the bat. Please stop! Give me the bat. Do it! Wendy! Die! Give me the bat. Do it! Give me the bat. Ah, God damn! 